Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Right, it'll, it'll be full of pride or they'll be full of ego or look at look what look at what I'm doing look at what, what I, I've made you know this that, and the other look at my followers look at this and that that's not from God that ministry may it, it may look the part or it may they may sell apart but it's not from God all right true ministry will highlight the Lord true ministry will highlight the father true ministry will highlight Jesus and advance his kingdom amen so again it's not about us ministry isn't about what we can do is it's not about what we can get from it, but it's about him. It's about Jesus. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is today's message. Welcome back to the Word of the Day 316 podcast here on the Kingdom Rock Network. I'm so excited that you have decided to join in, in with me today on this segment that we're doing entitled Walking Through the Word, where we are doing a commentary through the book of John. Now, this is episode five. So if you haven't already watched the previous episodes, I definitely encourage you to do so. And you can find these and more and more content at kingdomrock.org. All right, so we're not going to prolong any time. We're just going to go ahead and get started. So grab your Bible and grab your notepad and let's get to reading. Now, we left off at John chapter 3 at verse 22. So we're going to start there and we're going to dive right in, okay? So we're reading from the NLT version. This is John 3, verse 22. And it reads, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At the time, John the Baptist was baptizing in Enon, near Salem, because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came over to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identify as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God has given it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I, and I must become less and less. Now, if, you're, if you recall earlier, in a previous episode, we began to talk more in depth about what baptism is. All right, we began to talk about the purpose of why John was baptism and, and, and different things of this nature. So that was in another episode. And, and you got to understand that in John's ministry, one of the key components to his ministry was baptism. All right, this was an identifying factor in John's ministry, hence the name John the Baptist. Now, if you look here at John's disciple, their response, all right, when they find out that Jesus is also baptized, because remember, this, it started with John. John had started baptizing, but now they see that somebody else is baptizing Jesus and his disciples. Look at their response here in verse 26. And they say, so John's disciple, rather, it says, so John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identify as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. Or in other words, Rabbi, they're copying us. They're doing what we're doing. 
They're doing exactly what we're doing. Now, there's a few points that we have to take here. There's a few points that I want to make here. And John also does a, a great job at establishing many of the points I'm about to make. Now, you got to understand, number one, whatever ministry that God has placed in your hand, whatever that may be or however that may look, understand that it doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. Whether that's a book ministry, whether you're an author, or maybe a teaching ministry, or maybe an evangel evangel evangelical ministry, or a cookie ministry, or a media ministry, or or a music, whatever the Lord has, whatever ministry the Lord has placed in your hands, you got to understand something. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. John recognizes this case with his ministry. Now we know John was the Baptist. He, 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 uh, uh, baptism was an uh, identifying factor in his ministry. He knew this. Uh, his his disciples knew this, and 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 they had an issue with Jesus baptizing. But again, whatever ministry that the Lord places in your hand, it doesn't belong to you. John realizes this in verse twenty-seven. He says, "John replied, No one can receive anything unless God has given it from heaven.'" All right, and, and, and this first right here is, is actually, we, we can pull two things from this. Number one, again, whatever ministry God has placed into your hand isn't yours. Also, just because somebody has a ministry doesn't mean it's from God. All right, which brings up the question, how can you tell the difference? How can you tell if somebody is just doing things on their own behalf or if the ministry is truly from God? Well, let's continue reading here. In John 27, uh, rather, uh, John chapter 3, verse 27, it reads, John replied, no one can receive anything unless God has given it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only, the, I'm, I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I, and I must become less and less. So, number one, somebody who has a ministry from God, the, the first thing that you can tell if it's from God or if it's just them doing it is they will, they will always acknowledge God as the, the, they will always give honor to God and recognize God as, as, as the, the head of that ministry. All right, they won't claim it as their own. They won't claim it, oh, this is my, no, this, this ministry is from God. It's not from them. It's not from this or that. It's from God. God has places and he has, he has given it to my hands. That's number one. All right. Another thing as well, ministry that is not from God, many times people will try to focus on, you know, you know gain or, 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 or what they can get from it. All right. Many times if a ministry isn't from God, people will try to, well, you'll be able to identify that because it won't be what they can give to God, but what they can gain from it. So they may be able to gain followers or clout or, or a monetary gain. All right. Ministry isn't to become a figure of influence. All right. But instead, it will glorify the father. All right. The ministry that God has placed in you to recognize if a ministry is truly from from God or if, if it's just some, somebody else is doing it from, the, from their own. They, they won't recognize themselves as the head of the ministry. It, it won't be something to get monetary gain. It, will, it won't be something to get, to get clout from. It won't be something to get followers from or influence. It'll be something that, that will glorify the Father. It will be something that will glorify, glorify Jesus. It'll be something that will advance his kingdom. All right, there's no self involved. It's sacrifice involved. Now, you may not see that sacrifice that they made, but, but there's definitely no self or there's no pride involved. Amen? This brings me to another point. Again, ministry that isn't from God will not give honor or acknowledgement to God. And it may be full of pride and ego. 
But see, we can look at John's response. He says this in verse 30, as, as his disciples came and, and saying, you know, they're copying what we're doing, you know, this, that, and the other. Look at John's response in verse 30. It says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And, and I love how the, K, uh, the KJV reads, it says, he must increase and I must decrease. So again, there's a principle here, a ministry that is truly from God, it won't highlight yourself. It won't highlight the person who, who may be the, well, no, we know that God is truly the face of that ministry, but, but physically speaking and actually speaking, it won't highlight that person's face. You know, you know, if I have a ministry, if somebody else has a ministry, it won't highlight me. It's supposed to highlight the Father. It's supposed to highlight Jesus. Amen? That's why John says, I must, I must, he must increase, I must decrease. A person whose ministry isn't from God will not have this mindset. They won't have this attitude. Or it'll, it'll be full of pride, or they'll be full of ego. Or look at look what look at what I'm doing. Look at what, what I, I've made. You know this, that, and the other. Look at my followers. Look at this and that. That's not from God. That ministry may it, it may look the part, or it may they may sell apart, but it's not from God. All right, true ministry will highlight the Lord. True ministry will highlight the Father. True ministry will highlight Jesus and advance His kingdom. Amen. So again, it's not about us. Ministry isn't about what we can do. It's, it's not about what we can get from it, but it's about him. It's about Jesus. Another thing as well that I want to highlight here while we're on this point is even in ministry, even if the Lord has placed a ministry into your hands, understand something. Don't fall into the trap of the enemy by looking at somebody else's ministry and comparing like his disciples did. Look at what they look at look, look John look what they're doing they're copying us they're doing exactly what we're they're doing exactly what we're, what we're doing don't fall into that trap this is a very dangerous thing to do don't even allow yourself to measure your ministry or, or the, the, the size of your ministry against someone else because this may be this may cause you to become discouraged or or different things like this don't don't do that that's a trap of the enemy don't fall into this trap but the Bible, uh, you know, the, it says in the Bible that the, the Lord delights in small beginnings. He, he loves small beginnings. It, it, it's amazing how in, in many, even of Jesus's parables, he, he uses parables regarding seeds, something small, because he, he's a big God. And, and you got to understand a, a big God can work in big ways. But to truly see how big a God is, imagine if a, a big God can work in something small. Imagine if a guy can show his power through, through a small catalyst. Imagine that. That really shows how powerful he is. Amen? So again, the Lord, the Lord delights in small begins. If you have a small ministry, if you have something that may not look like their ministry or it may not look like this person's ministry or, or my mind is so small, I only have a few followers or, or is anybody listening to me or is, this, is there any purpose? What, what, what am I doing? Don't, don't fall into that trap. Don't compare because you got to realize your ministry isn't about you. It's not about you. It's, it's to glorify the Lord. It's to advance his kingdom. That one follower you may have, that one person you may have, may, that, that one person may be the only person God allows you to, you know, to be inside your ministry. But, but you got to understand that he has a greater purpose and, and, and his, the way that he thinks and his thoughts and his plans are, are greater than anything that we, can, that we can think of. So, again, don't think about your ministry. Don't look at the size of your ministry and think, you know, um, it's, it's so small. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't compare yourself to other people's ministry. Amen. The ministry that the Lord has given you is the ministry that the Lord has given you. Amen. So again, don't don't look at don't be like John's disciples and 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 and, and compare, you know, what Jesus is doing and his disciples is doing to what what you know what we're doing. Don't don't do that. They're copying us. Don't 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 be that. Don't do that. Amen. I also want to, you know, point out another scripture here in Galatians 6 uh, verses 4. It says, "Pay careful attention to your own work." For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. 
and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are all each responsible for our own conduct. So whatever the Lord has placed in your hand, whether you think that may be big or whether you think that that may be small, whatever it is, understand that the Lord has placed it into your hand for a reason. Amen. Don't get caught up on looking at what they're doing. The Bible says pay careful attention to your own work. Whatever the Lord has placed into your hands, pay careful attention to it. Make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with, with what you have, with the ability that you have, with the, what the Lord has given you. Amen. And, and again, there's so many powerful scriptures that we can use to add to this point. But let's continue reading on and, and finish up John chapter three here. And uh, verse 30, it reads, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are on earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard and how few rather, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gave him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hand. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remain under God's angry judgment. Amen. So again, that concludes chapter three right there. If you if you didn't get a chance to to talk about to dive into the part the first part of John, John three with us definitely go check out the last episode uh, episode four in um uh, on ww on kingdomrock.org amen so we're gonna go ahead and continue into John chapter four all right we're not gonna get through all of it today but we're gonna get to a certain point so just let's just get this thing started so we're actually gonna go ahead and read from John chapter uh, John chapter four verses one to about verse twenty five. All right, so again, we're reading from the NLT version, and it reads as follows. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them. His disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go to Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village in, uh, in Sychar, near in the field of Jacob, near in the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, but Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his, he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh bubbling, rather it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, this woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman said. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. 
for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You, spur you certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worship, when true worship, rather, the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming soon, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Amen. So let's just stop right here, right? We're going to go back to the top. There's one thing in particular I want to point out um, before we go any further, and that's in verse 7. Let's look here at verse 7. It reads, soon a Samaritan woman came, rather, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me drink. So let's just look at this real quick. Let, let, let's look at this. Understand something that we're all called to evangelize. Now, we, we know there's a mantle of, of evangelists, but we're all called to evangelize. All right, this is a great commission. We're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to share the good news. Now, we got to understand that we're all called to do this, but... This doesn't mean we got to go around hitting people with the Bible or this doesn't mean that we got to go ahead and throwing scriptures in people's faces, telling them what this scripture says. This says that's that's not what it's that's not what it means. When we're, when we're called to evangelize, it doesn't mean we got to act all super spiritual with people or we got to act all pious in nature. When we look here at this story here with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, we see how Jesus starts, how Jesus does this. We see how Jesus wishes to talk to this woman because they, they, they start off with, with, he starts off with please give me a drink, but they, he ends up saying that he is the Messiah. So we got to understand that when we're called to come to people, when we're called to evangelize the people, we don't, again, we ain't got to, you know, have the Bible, you know, Bible thumping people, throwing scriptures. We can just start with a simple conversation. Jesus starts this whole entire conversation, this whole entire powerful passage of scripture with, please give me a drink. He started it with kindness. He started it with small talk. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that as we evangelize to people, as we go and we share the gospel to people, you ain't got to go and just throw the Bible in their face. You can simply start with being social with them. Because you got to understand as we do this, as we socialize with people and as we truly have a heart of an evangelist in, in, in us, the Lord will open up opportunities for us to evangelize and you won't miss it. But you got to start with, with kindness. You got to start with a simple gesture. You got to start with, with a nod or a handshake with, with simple gestures. You ain't got to be all super spiritual. You ain't got to be all pious. Jesus just said, give me a, can you please give me a drink? And you got to understand that, that what, what we're doing here, when we, when we act in this way, when we show just simple kindness, simple love, simple gestures like this, it, 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 it opens up the door for evangelism. And, and even you got to understand that as we do this, people may look at you like you're funny. People may look at you like, like why are you talking to me? Because this woman was surprised. Because you got to understand that, that, that true, true love, that the love that God wishes for us to love other people with, it, it's, it's, very, it's very small in this world. It, it's, not, it's not seen everywhere. 
There's a lot of love in this world, but that true love, that agape love that God wishes for us to share with other people, we, we don't see it much. So when people see, when they experience it, it it's different. It's new. And, and we can see this woman. She, she said, why, why are you talking to me? What, what, I, I'm a Samaritan. I, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? Not only am I a Samaritan, but I'm a woman. Why are you talking to me? She was perplexed. She was confused. So don't, don't be surprised as you just have simple conversations, even as a believer, as you have simple conversations with people. And you, you know your heart is to evangelize to them, but if you just have a simple conversation with them, You'd be surprised how long this goes. You'd be surprised what kind of doors this open up. And yeah, initially they may be confused because they're not used to this type of love. They're not used to, to love that, that doesn't have any strings attached. Amen? Jesus says, please give me a drink. She was confused. She, she didn't know what was going on. She, she was perplexed. Look at her response. Again, it's here in, in verse, uh, verse 9. It says, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, Well, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, Jesus, you got to understand that everything that Jesus does, it's not by accident. Even the very question that he was asking required, you know, uh, uh, you know, talking about a drink, you know, talking about water. This very question that he was asking was to set something else up because you got to understand even as we socialize with people, even as we, as we just have simple conversations with people, the Lord will open up doors to evangelize to other people. He will do it. Look at his response to her question. You are, or to, to, yeah, to her question. Uh, verse 10 says, if she said, why are you asking me for a drink? And then Jesus replies, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would be asking, rather, you would be, rather, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now understand that ultimately we all have a thirst. We all have a desire. We all have a want to be satisfied. We all have a, a, a something in us that is empty. We all have a desire to be fulfilled. Now, there's two destinations in which we can quench this desire. There's two destinations in which we can quench this thirst, if I may. Number one is the things of this, the things of this world, sin. And just like this well that the, one, that the woman was drinking out of, it requires much work. If you think about it, to, 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 when we think about a well, if somebody's thirsty and they want to build a well, it's not an easy process. You got to dig. First of all, you got to dig. You got to dig. You got to dig. You got to dig. You got to work. You got to work. And then once you get to it, you got to get buckets and, 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 and ropes and all this type of stuff. It takes work. And ultimately, all this work that you put into it, you're not getting what you want out of it because you got to keep going back to the thing again and again and again and again. It will never fully satisfy your thirst, just like sin. If you keep going back to sin, if, and think about sin, it, it never starts off deep. We, we, it always starts off as something small, but we get deeper and we get deeper and we get deeper and deeper. And even as we get deeper and we get that temporary satisfaction, just like this woman with the well, she says, I got to go back to, I got to go back to get some more worth. I got to keep coming back to this well to, to quench my thirst. I, I got to keep coming back. And just like this, just like a natural well, when we think about sin, we got to keep going back and back and back again and again and again to get satisfied. This is not the top of, this is not the way that God wants us to feel this thirst. Jesus replied in verse 13, he says, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
Now you got to understand that water is a necessity to life. You, you, can't, you can go without food for long periods of time, but for water, if you don't take in water, you, you will die. You will, you, you will pass out. You will begin to fail. Your body will begin to fail. Now understand that this water that Jesus is talking about here, this water that bubbles up from within, giving us eternal life, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Understand that as partakers of the Holy Spirit, when we draw from him in that time of need, whatever that may be, understand that he will, he will, he will fulfill, he will satisfy that thirst. Because again, we all have a thirst. We all have a thirst. You can either fulfill it with, with the veins of the scroll, you can fulfill it with sin, or you can fulfill it with his spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Understand that we partake of the Holy Spirit. We should choose to partake of the Holy Spirit to fulfill this thirst. But I want to make a point here. Know that when we talk about this thirst or this desire, these yearnings that we have, the, the, the desire itself, the yearning itself, the thirst itself isn't bad, but rather it's the way that we choose to fulfill this thirst, which is the bad part. For example, if someone goes around sleeping with multiple people or is in somebody else's bed every other night, we understand that the action of doing this is a sin, but understand this desire may very well come from somebody just wanting to be loved. Or if somebody is taking every new hit of every single drug that comes out or, or you know, is constantly drinking and, and smoking every single night, we understand that the action is a sin, but the, 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 the desire, the, the, the true desire could truly come from a, a, a place of trying to seek a place of peace. Or, or, or trying to find a place of escape from the problems that they're dealing with. So you see the desire itself, trying to find peace or, or trying to be loved, the desire isn't bad. The desire isn't always bad, but it's how we fulfill that desire that it is bad, which is usually sin. Again, there's two places that we can quench this thirst. We can quench it with sin. You can quench it with sin, but again, you're going to have to keep going back over and over and over and over again. Or you can quench it with his spirit. You can quench it with the Holy Spirit. He will quench that thirst. He will fulfill that thirst. That thirst. He will satisfy that thirst that we, that we all truly have. You ain't got to go to sin, especially as believers. As believers, you have to understand that, that, that we are partakers of his spirit. At the point of salvation, his spirit comes and lives within us. But there's so many believers that though we have his spirit, we don't partake of his spirit. We still drink from the, 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 the wells of this earth, the well of sin. And we, we, we go to sin again and again and again, hoping to receive satisfaction while we have the spirit of God living in us, living in us who will truly fulfill that satisfaction. We must partake of his spirit. We must not partake of sin. Amen. And understand that even his spirit, the Holy Spirit that he gives us, you ain't got to work for it. Just, just like the world, you got to work for the world. You got to dig deep. You got to get a bucket. You got to get a rope. Not, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God to us. Again, if you look in verse 10 of, of, of John 4, it says, if only, Jesus says, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Again, it is a gift. It's not something that we work for. It's not something that we, we can strive for, or just work for. No, at the point of salvation, when you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he comes and he lives within you. Ephesians 1.13 says, and now you Gentiles have heard, have heard the truth, the good news that God saved you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you his Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So, again, we must partake. We, we must not partake of sin. 
We must not partake of sin to fulfill those, those desires that we have. We must not partake of sin to fulfill those, those, those things that we have that are within us. We must not partake of sin. As a believer, you must partake of the gift that God has given you, which is his spirit. Amen. So let's go ahead and continue on to the next point here. Let's look at verse 15. Uh, or rather, let's continue on this point. Verse 15 says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't even have to come here to get water. Now, it seems, if we continue reading, it seems as if Jesus changes the subject, but in fact, he, he's not really changing the subject. He's highlighting his point right here. Verse 16, it, it seems as if he changes the subject. He reads, go get your husband, Jesus told her. 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. For you have, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You, you certainly spoke the truth. So in other words, this woman who has been married multiple times, who's going to man, to man, to man, to man, trying to get some type of fulfillment, she has five husbands and she's on the sixth one. She's not even married to the sixth one. She's, she's searching for something. She's trying to be fulfilled. This is her well. This is her well going from man to man to man to man. And you notice how she has to keep going back to another one, to another one, to another one, because whatever she's looking for, it's not found in the man that was previous. This is her well. This is her word that she keeps going back to. And, and, and you got to understand, your world may be different. It may be drugs, or it may be sex, or it may be money. But again, understand that Jesus tells us anyone who drinks of this, of this water will still become thirsty again. Anyone who partakes in these things, you'll become thirsty again. It'll never give you true satisfaction. It'll never fulfill you. Again, this woman was going from man to man to try to fulfill something that was within her. She was trying to fulfill a thirst, but understand the only fulfillment that, 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 that we can get is from the Holy Spirit. All right, we must partake of him. Amen. And let's jump here to verse 19 as we get ready to come to a close today. Verse 19 reads, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it here at Mount uh, Gerizim? Well, our ancestors, where our ancestors worshiped. worshiped. Now, you got to understand that the Samaritans and the Jews of this time, they, they, they didn't really get along together. See, the Samaritans, they, they were almost like a hybrid Jew, a hybrid Jew. They were half Jew, they were half Gentile, they were half Jew, half Assyrian. They weren't full Jew. And because of this, the true Jews of the time, they, they looked down on the Samaritans. There, there was a clash, even to the point where they had their own separate, you know, Torah. They had their own copy of the Torah. They had their own place of worship. They had their own temple. Let's look here at verse 21 here. Verse 21 says, in response to this woman's and to her concern about the place of worship, look at Jesus' Jesus's reply. He says in verse 21, he says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer, will it, rather the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you, whether you worship the Father here on a mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the, through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship, who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? 
you got to understand that it's not about a place. It's not about a heritage or it's not about a lineage. It's, it's not about trying to get a emotional high. It's not about that. True worship is from the spirit. It comes from the very core of who we are. It comes from the very core of, of what we are. This is how we worship him. This is something that cannot be constructed by the flesh. This is something that, that, that cannot be truly done in the flesh, but it comes from deep, deep down inside of us. And it, it is by his, his spirit gives us a desire to work. It, it's by his spirit that we have this desire to do this. It's by his spirit that we are able to do this. His life-giving spirit that he, that he gives us as a gift is the one who allows us to worship. It's the one who helps us to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? Because true worship comes from recognizing who God is. This is where true worship comes from. True worship truly comes from recognizing who God is. It comes from getting a glimpse of who God is in, in, his, in, in his form. Now, we got to understand that we can never truly fully understand who God is. But, but in the mind that we have, in, in, in the capabilities that we have as, as beings, the Holy Spirit allows us to get glimpses of God. And in these glimpses, as we see him as who he really is, this is where our worship comes from. This is where, this is where true worship comes from. Let's look here at Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. It reads, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you do, rather, so that you live, rather, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you, uh, rather, brought, received brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him, talking about his spirit, by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we see true worship, true worship, True worship comes from the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to do this. And, 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 and again, as we come to a close, I, I, I think it's, it's so beautiful. As, as, as I say, as we get a glimpse of God, this is where true worship comes from. The Holy Spirit helps us to see this. And even if you, if you, if you remember in the book of Revelation, the four creatures that are constantly uh, around God, uh, God's throne, the four creatures, they're, they're constantly saying, holy, holy, holy. They're always looking at him. And because they're always looking at him, they worship him for eternity. They don't get tired. They don't get tired of worshiping God because they're getting a glimpse of who God is. They're getting a revelation of who God is. And again, once you get a revelation of who God is, once you get a glimpse of who God is, you worship. We worship that. That is the, the, the that, that, that is what, when we, when we see God in this way, this is what calls for worship from us, from deep within us. Holy Spirit helps us to do this. Amen. And then here, just to conclude where we'll stop today, we're going to read verses 25 and 26, and it reads, The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Amen? Now, that's all we're going to, we're going to stop right here for today just due to time restraints, but when we come back, we're going to conclude in the rest of this, and there's, there's still plenty more to talk about, but we're going to conclude in the rest of this. So I really pray, and I, and, I, and I hope that this has truly blessed you. I pray that it has brought clarity and understanding of the scriptures to your life. And I also want to make note that don't just do this with me. This isn't something that you can just do with me. Do this in your own personal time. Set time aside with yourself and with God and with his spirit to read the Bible for yourself. Amen. There's so much in this word that he wants to show you, but you got to make the time to do it. You got to set the time aside to do it. He will help you. He will teach you. Amen. So this is all that I have for you all today. I pray that you have an amazing rest of your day and I will see you all next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. 
Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.